Welcome to the Undomesticated Housewife Podcast. I'm your host, Stacy, and my heart is for the average mom and the everyday woman. Life is messy and it is hard, but you know what? There's also so much joy and humor to be found within this mess. So come join me, drink some coffee, fold your laundry, or don't, and let's just get real together. Hi, I am Stacy. I'm your host of The Undomesticated Housewife. Um, I just wanted to give a couple of disclaimers before I start this episode. My children, my two crazy children, are right next door, screaming and playing and throwing things. So if you hear that, they're fine. They're okay. They're safe. They're just playing. Um, Another disclaimer I wanted to give is at the end of this episode, I'm going to be giving some tips and tricks that I used for my second pregnancy that I feel really contributed to the overall experience of my birth. And I'm in no way a medical professional. I'm not trained in any way. It's just research I did that I practiced and seemed to work for me. So I will be sharing those. I just want to let you know, um, you know, it's not going to work for everybody. Not everybody's going to have the same experience. So this is just my story. Let's go ahead and get into it. If you didn't tune in to the last episode, I will leave a link in the description. But basically I was talking about my traumatic birth experience with my very first um, child, Madeline, and it was very traumatic. It really, it really left a big impact on me, not only in the postpartum period, but also going into my next pregnancy. Um, there's just a lot more anxiety and fear surrounding it. Um, and so I talked about that. If you didn't listen, go ahead and check the description for the link to that episode. And in this one, I just really wanted to tackle my second experience and how different it was. Not only because I was with different care, I had a different provider and um, different staff at the hospital, but also just the things that I did differently. Um, One of the biggest problems I had facing my first experience was just a complete lack of education. I had no idea what to expect. I knew nothing about birth. I knew, I mean, nothing. And so going in, I was very naive and very unprepared. And so obviously the second time I had a little bit of an idea of what I did not want to happen. But on top of that, I went ahead and did my research and I, you know, kind of went full throttle on the research. I didn't have my dream birth experience with Tommy, my second, Um, but it was so much better that it gives me motivation for this third time if you don't know I'm pregnant (laughs) again (laughs) with my third. Um. And this time I'm even more motivated to have my dream experience. So had a bad experience, had a good experience, and now I'm just hoping for that gold. <laughs> it's going to be exactly what I've always envisioned. So anyways, let's go ahead and get into Tommy. So my pregnancy with him, I got pregnant with him right right at Madeline's first birthday. So I, it was just barely a year postpartum and I got pregnant again. And this was actually six months after a miscarriage because I did get pregnant right after my daughter was born because <laughs> apparently I just do that. Um, I found myself pregnant right when my daughter turned one and it was a pretty easy pregnancy for the most part. I was pretty severely sick the whole time. Um, I was not 
officially diagnosed with HG, but um, I was pretty miserable for a while. But other than that, it was really simple. With Madeline, we had a lot of early labor scares. This time, I just did not experience that, which was a total blessing. I think the hardest part of the pregnancy was the mental aspect, not only because I had just had a really bad experience giving birth, but I also was coming off of just, I think it was barely, let's see. Yeah, it was just barely three, four months after a suicide attempt um, from some, I had suffered some pretty severe postpartum mental illness. Um which I talked a little bit about in my last episode, but I plan to do a future episode talking all about that experience. So going into this pregnancy, I had just, you know, survived that. And now I am thinking about everything people are going to say. What are they thinking? I even had a couple relatives on um, my husband's side say things like, you know, are you sure you should be doing this? And like (laughs) that kind of thing, which, you know, obviously it wasn't like a super planned pregnancy. We weren't not trying, but we weren't necessarily trying, but still it was really discouraging knowing that people didn't believe in me. And to be fair, you know, it was very fresh, but so going into this pregnancy was just really mentally difficult for me to grasp and get excited and get, you know, that bond that you have with your unborn baby, if you've been pregnant or if you are pregnant, I feel like you know what I'm talking about. It was just, it took me a long time to get there. I also was just terrified, to be honest. I had just come out of such a traumatic experience with my daughter that I'm like, I can't do that again. You know, it's not going to happen again. And if it does, I will literally get a hysterectomy. (laughs) Honestly, I was like so terrified, but luckily that was not the case. So getting into his actual birth, um, I was 37 weeks, almost 38 when I got the stomach bug so severely that I was just barely conscious. I was so weak and so tired and so, so violently ill. Um, we ended up going to the hospital and this time we actually drove over the mountain. We went over St. Helena and at the time we lived, um, I think it would have had to be like almost, almost a three hour, maybe more drive to get to the hospital from where we were living at the time, depending on traffic and if we stopped and stuff like that. So we drove that, that whole distance just to get to this better hospital And, um, throughout my whole pregnancy, I had a different provider. I saw multiple different actual OBs and I loved every single one of them. So going into my birthing experience, I felt confident. I know, and I like, and I trust everybody that could potentially deliver the child. You know what I mean? So that was really good. So I was violently ill. We're driving this distance to get to the hospital. I'm having horrible, painful contractions because, um, if you don't know, when your bowels and your stomach and all those things are irritated, it's all in such close proximity to your uterus that it can also irritate your uterus, causing contractions. So if you're violently ill or if you're constipated or if you have too full of a bladder, all these things can trigger contractions. The difference is like, you know, 
is it going to is it going to change your cervix at all? You don't necessarily want that when you're only 37 weeks. So we went to the hospital. I did get a dose of the same medication I got with Madeline to stop the contractions. But I also received just a lot of really good care because of my dehydration and my sickness. So I got, you know, Zofran, um, IV fluids, all those things. And it was great. But leaving that hospital was kind of frustrating because I was still having contractions every seven minutes. And they said, like, this looks like early labor. You, since you've gotten here, you've gone up a centimeter. But because it's so early, we've got to send you home. We can't keep you here until you've reached a certain point, basically. So that was kind of disheartening because I'm like, it feels really real. It's really uncomfortable. But it's not officially time yet. So we drove all the way back home and that continued for three days, three days of every seven to 10 minutes contractions. And it would go away for a few hours. Then they'd come back and then it'd go away. So it was not consistent at all, which is why even though I had such a like quick labor and delivery with my daughter, um, I wasn't super motivated to get to the hospital ASAP this time because it just didn't feel consistent enough to be real. <laughs> real, I put in quotes. Um, during these few days that I'm doing this, is it labor, is it not labor thing, um, my husband was, of course, working because we had decided, you know, if it's if it becomes consistent, if things become regular or closer together or unbearable, he would obviously come help me <laughs> and get me to a hospital and support me. But at the time, it was just so up in the air. We decided it was best for him to just go ahead and go back to work until I felt things were picking up. So for three days, I did this while taking care of my one-year-old. <laughs> we walked for hours and hours every single day. Every day, I would just walk and walk and walk because I'm like, here's the thing. If I'm having these contractions, if I'm able to walk it off, it's probably just Brexton Hicks. If I'm walking and they get more intense, that seems a little bit more legit to me. So, you know, that's kind of where my head was at and I was exhausted. So here comes Thursday morning. <laughs> it was, um, I think, 3 a.m. I woke up and it was just so incredibly painful. The contractions were just really, really strong and I was feeling them so deeply in the like bottom of my belly, which was different than Madeline. Cause with hers, I felt them so much in my back, but with Tommy, it was just very deep in my belly and it was very uncomfortable. And so 3am Thursday morning is when I woke up and I didn't sleep again until Saturday night. Okay. That's how crazy things got. <laughs> so on Thursday morning, I wake up having these contractions they're pretty painful it's um it's a long day so we're from northern california so during this entire week actually that pretty much that whole month and it was october by the way i think i forgot to mention that um in the fall in california you are most likely going to have your power shut off at some point because of the fires that we experience and so pg&e was shutting off our power and it's really difficult for me to be without power because I, when the power's out with the provider I have for our cells, 
Um, I don't have any cell service and we didn't have, you know, a, like a, a way to communicate other than our cell phones at the time. So when Nick's at work, if the power's out, I can't call him unless I drive to an area that has service or I get somewhere that has power so I can use their internet to call him. So that was kind of scary. So all of Thursday, you know, we had no power. <laughs> and, um, I'm just walking around in excruciating pain, wondering if this could be it. And if I'm going to have to go knock on the fire department store, who was our neighbor at the time, and have them call him for me. So that was kind of frustrating. But what was even more frustrating was when that evening I was fully prepared, packed, and ready to head to the hospital when they just completely stopped. For the first time that entire week, completely stopped. Um, and it wasn't until... Friday morning that it picked up again. So it was Thursday night around midnight they stopped. So until then, so it's been 3 a.m. Thursday and now it's midnight on Thursday, technically Friday morning, and I haven't rested basically at all. Plus my anxiety is picking up because of the power not being able to reach Nick and it's freaking freezing and I have a one-year-old at home. Um, so that was terrifying. And even though the contractions completely stopped, I stayed up the rest of the night on Thursday night trying to see if I can just get them back. Because at this point, I'm 38 weeks exactly. Friday, I, yeah, Friday made 38 weeks exactly. And so I'm like, you know what? At this point, they're not going to stop the labor. Um, if I can get things to pick up, maybe I can get some rest. That's kind of what I was thinking. I had to go help... Um, dissolve a meltdown. So I don't know where I left off, <laughs> but um, I think basically I was saying it was, um, oh yeah, I was exhausted, obviously. And so I just wanted them to kind of become more regular and more consistent contractions. So within the whole day of Friday, I was just, I mean, from midnight until we'll get there, I was just walking and squatting and chowing down dates, drinking red raspberry leaf tea, pumping, doing all the things to get these contractions to become consistent and stronger and go somewhere because I needed rest. I was so exhausted and so overwhelmed with discouragement from not having consistency. I mean, this whole week, it was five days altogether, I think, of like labor <laughs> that just wouldn't stay consistent. Oh, I'm getting a text. I'm so freaking popular. Look at me. Okay. I got distracted again because I was texted by my mom. So <laughs> yeah, I'm still popular. <laughs> I swear. But, um, Anyways, so I was just discouraged and tired. So I was doing all the things, getting these contractions up. And, um, you know, we're still having these, like, power outages and stuff. So I had to wait for Nick to come home from work. And by then, I straight up told – I was ready to go. I had my clothes ready. I had Madeline's stuff packed. I already told my mom, like, we're going to be dropping her off and going to the hospital. I, I was, like, ready to go by the time he got home from work that night because – all my efforts paid off. They were, they were coming in hot and I was, I was feeling like I was really, really getting somewhere. They were very consistent. They were 
getting closer together. It was just, it was very encouraging. We packed um, Madeline up into the car. We dropped her off at my parents' house. And I quickly, while I was at my mom's house, um, I quickly just put on a little bit of makeup. And I think my hair was curled, but I was just kind of, I wanted to look beautiful this time. I didn't prepare for my birth at all with Madeline. I had no time. I had no warning. I had no um, expectation of giving birth that day or the next day. So this time I just wanted to be cute. Okay. I wanted to be cute for my baby. I want to be cute for my doctors. It's, it's fine. So I'm getting ready. And I, I kind of had stalled out a little bit on the drive there. I felt like I had decided if I take my time to do my makeup and my hair, if they don't come back, then we'll know we can go back home. But um, my mom told me as soon as she saw me stop doing my hair during one of my contractions, she knew like, yeah, no, this is it. You're good. You're in labor. And I was like really encouraged and motivated by that because she's done this four times. You know, I trust her. And it was just validating to, to have somebody on the outside see me and see my discomfort and say, you know what? That looks real. Like, I think you need to trust your body and go with your gut. So we did that and we headed over the mountain and it was, that's when active labor decided to really pick up again. I had been in active labor already for the last few hours, um, what they consider active labor. And that's why I was so confused when it stalled out a little bit during my drive to my mom's house, but definitely going over the mountain. Holy crap. If you've ever driven over St. Helena, you already know it's not like a super fun drive, but if you're in um, like labor and it's like really, really bad, intense labor, um, yeah, I did that. It was like not, not it, honey. It was not it, but we made it. We got to the hospital as soon as we get there. They're like, oh, we just saw you on Monday, yada, yada, yada. I went ahead and had them check me, um, do a cervical check to see if I had dilated anymore. And praise the loving God, I was at a three. So I had only progressed two centimeters that whole week, but that was enough to keep me in the hospital. So that was nice. So I was going to stay. I was going to have this baby no matter what. I was super, super, super stoked. I want to note that this hospital we arrived at was so incredible. The staff, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. They were amazing. I still know my nurses, <clears throat> excuse me. I still remember my nurses by name, the ones that were there throughout the whole birthing experience with Tommy. Um, that's the impact they left on me was so good. They were so, so kind. And I will get into that, but I just had to say like, this was like going in. I just had already met everybody and just loved them. I felt so comfortable and I felt so secure with this staff. And so, you know, I'm, I'm in labor, I'm officially admitted. And the first thing my nurse does is she asks me my plan. And I was like, really? <laughs> you want to know what I want? <laughs> it was like, so, so amazing. I never got that the last time. And so I told her, you know, I want as little to no intervention as possible. Um, I want to do things as naturally as possible. Like, like I did with Madeline, I had no medication and no epidural. I wanted to try for that again. Um, I told her that I wanted to be able to play my music. I wanted to be able to diffuse oils. I just basically gave the rundown of what I expected. And that she was just immediately accommodating. She brought me 
um, a, a ball, like a little yoga ball and a diffuser with some lavender and just immediately asked me like, you want me to lower the lights a little bit so you can calm down, whatever you need, I'll be in here every so often to check on you. But if you need me before that, don't hesitate. And I was just like, okay, I love you. So I bounced on the ball. I texted family. I took a picture from an amazing angle that made me look three times bigger than I was. And I loved it. <laughs> I sent it to everyone. I'm like, it's, I'm in labor. Yay me. And, um, and obviously I, I was in intense labor on the drive there and I was still in very intense labor the entire time I was at the hospital. It never, it never, it, how do I describe it? So normally with labor, you have at least a minute or two in between your contractions when you're in active labor to take a little break. <laughs> Mine were so back to back that I virtually never got a break and it was really, really um, difficult to cope with them. I couldn't figure out what position I wanted to be in. I couldn't figure out if um, having like hands-on pressure helped, like counter pressure from my from my husband, or if I just wanted to be left alone. I couldn't figure out what I wanted. I was just so uncomfortable. And so after a few hours of laboring on the ball and walking around the room, um, my nurse came in and said, do you want to try water? Would you like to take a shower or we can take you to a room with a bath? Those kind of things. Um, I opted for the shower so I could stand. All I wanted to do was stand. And I stood in that shower for probably a solid two and a half, three hours. Okay. I was in there a long time. It felt so good, but I didn't really get much relief. I just got like a little bit of comfort. I don't know if that is if that makes sense. It's kind of hard to explain. Like the pain never felt like it eased up at all with the water, but I felt more comfortable, like more um, positive when I was in the water, if that makes sense. So that was great. My, my husband was there the whole time. Again, we had prayed for, just like with Madeline, we had prayed for a Friday birth or, um, or a Saturday birth so that we could have that extra weekend together. And again, God answered our prayers. And so by this point, it was Saturday morning, early, early Saturday morning. And finally, I was so exhausted from five days of labor and about 27 hours of active labor at this point that I was collapsing in between my contractions. I was just falling into my husband's arms or falling into the nurse's arms, who she, at this point, didn't leave me. She was rubbing my back. She was rubbing my hands. She was putting washcloths on my face. She was like acting like a doula. It was incredible. I I can never explain how grateful I am for her during this experience. But um, I was literally in between my contractions, just collapsing into their hands and bracing for the next wave. And it was, it was at the point where I was very positive. I was able to moan and rock and deal with the pain no matter how bad it got. But I, I did reach that breaking point of exhaustion where I couldn't find the peace to like see it in a good way anymore. I couldn't see it as a wave and I couldn't see it as like bringing my baby down. All I could see was just like another one's coming. I can't do this, you know, and that's, you know, what they call transition <laughs> when you feel like giving up. And um, 
so I felt like, you know, I got out of the shower. The nurse was like, we can't have you fainting in the shower <laughs> while you're in labor. So we're going to take you out. Let's try some other stuff. Anything you need, I've got you. And I did finally ask for an epidural because I was so, so, so tired and um, getting really discouraged with how tired I was because I felt like if I continue this way, I'm, I'm, and this is how I felt. I'm not saying this is the case, but I felt like I won't be able to push him out. At this point, I'm so tired. I don't think I'll have the strength to actually get him here. And so we opted to get the epidural, which was, um, I've heard a lot of different people's experiences getting the epidural. Most of them are pretty positive. Mine sucked so freaking bad. Okay. Not only was getting the epidural awful because you have to like hunch over in the middle of contractions, but you're like getting the needle in your back. And so it's like people, some people say like, oh, I'd rather get the epidural and go through that than have a contraction any day. And I'm like, bro, I couldn't even sit still to get the needle in my back. He would like start to poke me and he would get so frustrated. He's like, he straight up told the nurse, he's like, there's no way I'm getting anything in her back with the way she's acting. And that was like the only negative part of my labor, honestly, was the anesthesiologist. He was such a brat. I was like, dude, it hurts. I'm sorry. So he finally sort of got it in, but I was wincing and moving so much with my contractions that it didn't work the way it was supposed to. So it completely, completely numbed the left side of my body, my whole left side. I mean, I couldn't even wiggle my toes, but I could still feel everything on my right side. So my contractions, the pain was split in the middle of my belly. I could feel everything on the right, nothing on the left. It was pretty weird, but it gave me enough relief to lay down and rest for a little bit. So they had told me, okay, why don't you go lay down on your right side for a while and try to spread that epidural to the to the right side. Like, I don't know if, I don't even know if that scientifically makes sense. That's just what they suggested. And at the time I was so tired, I was going to lay down anyway. So I went and laid down. And at this point, I think it was getting close to 6 a.m. And I, um, you know, I'm laboring still because even though I've got this epidural, I'm still in pain. It just felt like half my body, which, and it's really, really difficult to describe what it felt like because it was still excruciating, but I wasn't having, like, I could talk through it still because it was only on one side. I don't know if this is makes, makes sense. If you've ever um, had appendicitis or like a kidney stone or something like that, it really felt like that. And I can, I can say that because I've now had both of those. So it was just pain on one side. Um, very painful, but not to the point where I couldn't deal with it anymore. And so somewhere around six, I can't remember the times with Tommy's birth like I did with Madeline's because I was so out of it and so tired. But um, I felt like I needed to poop, which like I think I mentioned last time, that that's a sign. Baby's coming down. And so I was like, oh, yeah, I need to poop. Like, I'm pretty sure this is my baby coming out. Um, after doing this the first time, I kind of think, kind of think that's the same sensation. So I, I immediately called in the nurse. I didn't wake up Nick yet, who had fallen asleep once I got the epidural. Um, I called in the nurse and I told her that I felt like I need to push. And she goes, you can go ahead and give like a little push, see if, see if it gives you some relief. So I pushed a little bit and like, I could audibly hear, it was like in my head, my water breaking. It was so freaky. I don't know if um, 
people that have had their water break before, if you could hear yours, but I, it was just like right in my head. It was so freaky. My water broke and I was like, oh, what was that? She's like, I was freaked, of course. So my nurse explains like, oh, your water just broke. That's like really good. And so um, I'm going to go ahead and take a little peek. So she looks down there. Um, and the first thing she goes is, oh, yep, there's his head. He's coming on out. I'm going to go call the doctor. She's totally positive, totally kind, totally calm. But then um, she turned on the light because she wanted to get a better look because the color of the waters um, was a little dark. So she wanted to make sure it wasn't blood. And when she turned it on, turns out my son pooped in my belly while I was in labor, which is disgusting. But usually when a baby um, poops <laughs> during the birth experience, it's just so weird. I, I've said poop so many times this episode. It's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> when there's poop in your – or meconium is what they call it. But um, – in your waters and the baby's not out yet, there's a chance or risk of the baby aspirating that meconium and that could be potentially harmful. So they just want to make sure that there is a pediatrician present when the baby is born so that they can just check him out, make sure he's good. So I was a little bit upset at that because my, going into this, I wanted as few people in the room as possible. I wanted it to be like the couple of nurses we needed and my doctor if possible. But now I had to have this added dude who I didn't know. So that was a little frustrating, but I understood. I was really understanding of it at the time. And I'm sorry, can you hear that whistle? My daughter is whistling and it's driving me insane. Okay, so she decided she's absolutely not going to be stopping with the whistle. So if you can hear it, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I just can't. I can't deal with it. But anywho, so here we are. There's poop in my my water, which just broke audibly. It was terrifying. And I'm still feeling that pressure. Like I kind of feel like I need to push in order to get relief. And so the doctor's in here. I believe there were like four or five nurses in the room um, because we had a, a pediatric nurse um, come in with the pediatrician. So I had like two doctors essentially my two wonderful nurses who I loved and then a couple extras. And I went ahead and asked, you know, is it possible I could get off my back for the pushing? Because I just, the last thing I want is to be on my back right now. I want to just kind of let gravity do its thing and make this as simple as possible. I want to have as little trauma to my vagine as possible. <laughs> and so they sat me up as best they could on my bottom because I think like I've already mentioned, half my body was completely numb to the point where I couldn't even wiggle a toe if I wanted to. So I was essentially just like sitting and they scooted me down enough that, you know, the baby, I wasn't going to like, I wasn't going to like sit on him when he came out. It was, I'll have to do a visual for you sometime soon. Um, and, you know, I pushed twice and he was out. It was really quick. It was just really simple. And what made it so wonderful was my doctor was so sweet when he came in. One thing I really was afraid of was this particular doctor was the one I was most nervous about, not only because he was the only male one, but also because his personality is a little quirky. So I was kind of afraid he was going to be like talking about his his plans for the weekend and like that kind of stuff. And I wanted the focus to be on me and the baby, you know, 
but I was really blessed because he was, he came in ready to work and ready to go. And he was so positive and so sweet. And he kept looking up at me and saying, you're so beautiful. I can't believe you're giving birth right now. You look so wonderful. And like, he kept telling Nick, like, look at her. She's doing great. It was just so awesome. And he kept asking, you know, Nick, are you sure you don't want to try to catch him? And again, Nick does not handle birth very well. He's not, <laughs> he's not good with that stuff. So he's white nauseous. He had to sit down. He He's like, absolutely no, I don't want to catch the baby. Um, I, however, wanted the mirror to come down so I could see him coming out this time. It was pretty cool. Um, but I did because of the epidural plus the pushing and the exhaustion and stuff, I did get really nauseous and I decided I needed to stop looking because it was making me a little bit more nauseous. So they put the mirror away, which is really nice. And again, just like with Madeline, I had my worship playlist blasting. And so I had beautiful worship music. I had a diffuser. I had a wonderful group of people around me. I had, you know, my nauseous husband <laughs> holding my hand. And um, it was just a really beautiful experience um, having Tommy be born. And, you know, even though he pooped in my belly, he was completely fine. He didn't aspirate anything. He cried. Um a little later than we would have liked. And so I kept rubbing his back and just saying, you know, sing for mama, sing for mama. And eventually he cried and everybody loved the way I said that. And honestly, I, me too. <laughs> uh, it was really great. I know I'm kind of rambling at this point. That's because this time I decided not to do notes, which I probably should have done, but it was just really beautiful and it was wonderful. And then the postpartum was nice. I had no tearing. Um, I did have some um, pelvic trauma, like to the bones, and it's kind of hard to explain. But it, it that was kind of a difficult recovery. I had some pretty severe pain with that for a few months. But other than that, I just felt like I, I don't like the term bounced back, but I felt like I came back from the birth a lot easier than I did with Madeline. I think it was because mentally it was a much more positive experience. I, I truly attribute my positive postpartum experience with Tommy with my birth experience. Um, I really do. I also went into it prepared for the postpartum experience. I, you know, was already set up with, um, like a counselor and with help if I needed it, my friends and family were ready to step in any way they needed me to. And it was just, it was just beautiful. And I was just so happy and I just loved it. Um, there are a lot of things I wish, you know, I would have done differently, of course, because it, again, wasn't my dream birth experience, but it was good. It was really good and it was beautiful and I loved it. I do have hopes and dreams for a completely non-medicalized um, birth. Um, we'll see if that ever happens. But for now, I will take it. It was so wonderful. And I just kind of want to encourage anybody that's listening, like if you had a bad experience or you've heard of people with bad experiences, um, it doesn't always have to be that way. That does not set you up for failure in the future because I'm a living testament that my first one was horrible. It literally nearly killed me. And the second time was so beautiful and so wonderful and peaceful. I just, 
there's so much redemption in that. And honestly, education, preparation, support, all those things, they make such a huge difference when you're going into this. And so I just want to encourage you um, to not be discouraged, basically. And I also just want to offer some tips and tricks that I did throughout my pregnancy that I feel like also really contributed to my positive experience giving birth to Tommy. So I'm going to go ahead and give those. And along with this, I'm going to give you a link to my YouTube and to my IGTV. And I call it IGTV. So I just didn't want to sound like a loser. So I said IGTV and I realized that sounded way more lame. Anywho. Um, I'm going to do a link to the video that shows some of the stretchies. stretchies. <laughs> I'm so tired, you guys. Some of the stretches that I did that I feel helped. And just like, again, I know I already disclaimed this, but like, I'm not a professional. This is just what I did. And if you're curious, you want to see, I'm going to be sharing that. One of my first tips would be um, to be stretching as much as possible throughout your whole pregnancy from when you find out you're pregnant until the day you give birth, just be stretching as much as you can. And again, I'll have a visual for you to look at, but also just walking and staying as active as you can without overdoing it, without hurting yourself. Of course. Um, I, I truly believe activity helps prepare your pelvic floor and prepare, prepare all those muscles for stretching and, um, strengthens them to be able to push that baby out eventually. Another big thing that I suggest is, um, or not suggest, but what I did was with Tommy, I ate dates from when I reached 28 weeks until I gave birth. I only ate them a couple times a week, but starting at 37 weeks when I was in the hospital, I started eating them every single day. Um, dates are really good for pregnancy because they help soften out your cervix and really, um, they're just really beneficial for that. But I also drink red raspberry leaf tea throughout my whole third trimester as well. The biggest thing I did in the end for preparation for stretching, so I didn't tear as severely, was what is called a perineal massage. So your perineum is basically the space between your butthole and your vagina. <laughs> All of that skin there is super elastic during birth or it's supposed to be, and it's supposed to really stretch and help that baby come out. Um, cause your body's made for that head to come out. But if it's not properly prepped, it can kind of cause some trauma, which is what happened my first time. So I would take evening primrose, evening primrose, primrose oil, I think it's called. And I would just massage the perineum, which I know it sounds really awkward, but it was really beneficial. I massaged it from 20 weeks until I get birth every single day. I would massage it with some oil and I would do my stretches, massage with oil, do my stretches, massage with oil. I feel like that helped me tremendously. I didn't have a single tear with Tommy, not a single one. And I truly believe it It was um, all these different things that I did in pregnancy that helped. But the oil and the massage, that's really, really huge. So activity, dates, tea, oil massages, <laughs> And also just mentally getting in a space of like positive birth affirmations. Like 
really preparing yourself. Like I was made for this. My body is capable. Um, I, I'm prepared for the pressure. I don't want it to be pain. I want pressure like that kind of stuff. Just, I know it sounds hippy dippy trippy, but it, it really, really freaking helps. And again, if this wasn't helpful on the podcast, I have a visual that will help you, um, understand what I did. And I want to clarify, like I'm I, I said the word suggest earlier. It was an accident. This is just what I did in case you're curious. So um, I'm sure there's things I'm missing, but my video will have a lot more um, to help you out. So <laughs> we'll get to that when we get to that. I appreciate you so much for supporting me, supporting this series and supporting my podcast and just letting me vent and rant and be a boring person. Um, <laughs> I appreciate it more than you know. I have lots of hopes for lots more conversations, a lot more conversations. I literally can't even speak. I'm so illiterate, you guys. It's ridiculous. Um, I have a lot of hopes and dreams for um, my future birth, but also just for this podcast in general. I have a lot of topics I want to discuss and rant about, and I want to um, really fix the audio issues I have with my my um, interviews and my guests so we can have a better listening experience for you guys. But again, I just thank you. And don't forget to, you know, share it and like it and follow me on social media and do all the things to help support me even more than you already do. Anyway, I love you. And um, I believe my next one is going to be about hustle culture. Ugh. I think it's toxic. I think there are ways we can do, you know, social media marketing, those kind of things. We can do that better. I'm not against those things. I just feel like there's a better way we can do it and go about it. So if you're interested in hearing me rant about that, tune in for the next episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on all of my platforms. I am so grateful you are a part of this growing community. Be sure to give yourself some grace this week. I love you, and I know your people do too.